Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The European Le Mans series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. It's been a long, long wait, but the European Le Mans series is about to start for 2020. Welcome to Le Castellet in the south of France. We're about an hour's drive east of Marseille at the beautiful, the picturesque uh, circuit Paul, uh, Paul Ricard and uh, delighted that you can join us for this first qualifying session of the season in three doses as the ELMS often is uh, three doses of 10 minutes that is for the GTE class the LMP3 and the LMP2 my name's Johnny Palmer back for another season of the European Le Mans series practically a full season originally billed as a six round championship obviously a huge pause though because of the fight against COVID-19 and as we emerge from that in various corners of Europe we have managed to establish a five race season when you consider it was originally six that's not bad at all France the first stop and then we head to Spa-Francorchamps at the start of next month to Barcelona for the night race at the end of August and then there are trips to Monza Italy and Portimao in the south of Portugal to look forward to uh, before the first of November not just myself but joined uh, once again by Bruce Jones we oversaw the Michelin Le Mans Cup not too long ago in their qualifying session Bruce but this is even quicker now three lots of 10 minutes not a moment to waste and the gts are up first i think they should put them all on the track at the same time 36 cars that would be beautiful but we're kicking off with the nine cars in gte and again i like the spread of manufacturers We've got one aston martin two porsches the remaining six are ferraris but uh, it was bragging rights to aston martin in the most recent practice session and that's the car number 98 shared by paul dalalan and matthias lauder and ross gunn and it's the canadian the man who I named first, Paul Dallalana, who will go out. But 10 minutes, no slip-ups allowed at all. Weather conditions this morning, bright blue skies, clouds have been gradually rolling in, hints of rain, nothing's coming. They'll certainly get through this 10 minutes before anything comes their way, but it's all about not slipping up. And Johnny, as we've seen in the first session when we had the Michelin Le Mans Cup, it's about not going beyond track limits. Go out, you'll be caught, transgression, lap time gets taken away. You certainly can't afford to shed a good one here. Certainly not. Actually, the names assigned to all the cars appear to be driver one in all cases. I think there's going to be quite a bit of chopping and changing there. No restriction on who you throw out in qualifying. And generally, it's your quickest of the three. Driver makeups, the same as they've always been in GTE and GTM as well in the World Endurance Championship, meaning that you have to start with a bronze. That's driver one of the three. The second choice, either a silver or a bronze, and the third choice is entirely free. So we've got a handful of uh, platinum drivers. Richard Leitz returning with Proton Competition, but also a number of golds as well uh, with Andrea Pacini, Matt Griffin, Ross Gunn et al. So I think we'll see quite a number of driver names changing on our screen as this session starts. And the first two minutes of it is literally just going out of the pits and round for a lap before you can really start to attack the session. Therefore, perhaps track position is important. A new name for 2020, but a familiar race number for a Ferrari. Number 60 is the Iron Lynx entry. And a uh, serious-looking livery for this weekend and no doubt the rest of the season. The black with the day-glow yellow stripes. Familiar colours, though, for AF Corsa 
and the 51 Ferrari. Black nose, though, on the Christoph Ulrich, Alex West and Stefan Gurig car. Interestingly, they've gone with three bronze-rated drivers, so uh, no limits as such for how long each can be at the wheel. Something like 2 hours and 15 minutes each, possibly more than that. So there's going to be quite a bit of strategy to be weaved into that and potentially a tough season, but obviously they're, they're trying to build as much experience as they can get in a GTE car. New season always means new mix and uh, new liveries. Proton competition, we've been used to their largely grey and blue lineups. Nine, so eight, final countdown to qualifying. New colours for 2020. Five, four, three, two, one. LMGT qualifying session has started. All laps done beyond track limits, if noted or reported, will be deleted. And great to have in that number 93 car, amongst others, Michael Fassbender, the Irish-German actor and racing driver, of course. Um, we've been working our way through Hollywood slowly with Patrick Dempsey in the past, and he's joining the team that has had the connection with Dempsey Proton Competition. Michael Fassbender, the Irishman, as he's labelled on the entry list, is the bronze. Felipe Laza, the silver, and Ricard Leitz, as I've already mentioned, is the platinum there. But... Uh, Yes, to, to know the pulse rate of Michael Fassbender ahead of this season, possibly more than uh, ahead of a scene and a big take in Hollywood. Eager to get going. I know he's wanted to do a big championship like this for, for a number of years and was actually out testing the very next day after last year's final round at Portimao. Not a great deal of people knew about that at the time, but he was uh, getting his eye in and deals were being done in late October 2019. There was the man himself. So, in fact, the name initially next to that 93 Proton competition car was Fassbender, but now we see it's Richard Leitz on board. And just to finish the point I was making just before they went out in the session, whole new liveries for the Proton group this year with just different coloured stripes on, on a dark green or a dark grey background. Before, we've had a livery about the past three years, the, the all, all three shades of grey car and the grey and blue one in the World Endurance Championship. But refreshing, look, the sister car, number 77, is the darker of the two. That's Christian Reed, Michele Beretta and Alessio Picariello and the driver at the wheel of 77 is Picariello, the Belgian who's raced an awful lot in the Far East in recent years and uh, I was saying to Johnny early today, watch this driver when he gets out on cold rubber at the start of a race, very, very impressive indeed, so uh, I'm sure for his family, nice to have him back in, in Europe this year racing and I think he'll really bed down very well in the European Le Mans series. Another one of those sneaky silvers on the right trajectory to win titles, but hasn't quite done it yet. And again, uh, a interesting looking lineup from that side of the Proton Competition garage. Car number 77 with the single bronze, Christian Reed, and two silvers, Beretta, Michele Beretta, and Picariello, as we've already mentioned. So they could have gone stronger. Picariello, though, will be. A, a surprise to many that don't know a great deal about him and as good as a gold arguably already two and a half minutes gone and that went in the blink of an eye as the 93 car really looking like it means business arriving at the s-bend at the start of the lap using every inch of track available then to Richard Leitz but careful not to breach the track limits now, some car, we see the JMW Motorsport car Ferrari coming out of the pits, and in 10 minutes you don't want to be going in and out. Jody Fannin, who has been competing so far this year in the um, NLS, the Nürburgring Nord, uh, 
endurance series, but uh, down here this weekend, he's not in a BMW for Valkenhorst. He's now a JMW Motorsport Ferrari, but he needs all the time he can on the track. But first flying lap still to be registered. The best time this morning in the GTE class, 1 minute 51.5 seconds for Aston Martin Racing. That's car 98. And just to reiterate, that's shared by Paul Dalladana, Matthias Lauda and Ross Gunn. And it's the third of those drivers, Gunn, who is out in the qualifying session today. But I'd say from body language of the cars around the circuit, it's looking very good for that uh, Richard Leitz-driven 93 Porsche. He is right on it. And as I say that, it's the sister car, Lesio Picariello. It's picking up a, b- a greater pace as they go around their first flying lap. Who's going to register one below 1 minute 51? I'm sure one of them is going to come. Current lap of car 74 deleted for two track limit abuses. That's, excuse me, that's Nicky Kadai in the 74 Kessel Racing Ferrari. So 74 is going to have to do it again. And that's its first lap. So obviously track limits have been abused maybe in the early sector, which was pretty good for Kadai, but judged to be illegal. Ross Gunn, though, to the top of the timing sheets and haven't heard anything about the 98 car having questionable track limits. So Ross Gunn in the Aston Martin racing machine. That's a kind of guest entry ahead of the remaining rounds of the World Endurance Championship. Next one of those is in the middle of August at Spa-Francorchamps, actually a week after the second race of the European Le Mans series. So there's going to be back-to-back ACO meetings there, and you can see why it's sensible to enter that uh, big vantage into these initial ELMSs, because there's Le Mans to come as well in that strange September date. So... Plenty of mileage for Paul Dallalana, for Ross Gunn, his teammate, and for Matthias Lauder to, uh, to get under their belts. Well, another car having a, a time taken away. Lesio Picariello was the faster of the two Proton cars. Second fastest that time has been deleted for exceeding track limits. So uh, despite going a third of a second faster than his illustrious teammate, that's cost him. The rule is there. It's to be obeyed. So Ross Gunn top. We have, in fact, until they remove Cariello's time we have the Aston Martin the two Porsches and then the six Ferraris so the Ferrari yeah. crews have got to really pick up their pace Nicky Kadai we know is quick but of course he was the first driver to have a time taken away car number 51 has also had a time taken away that's Christoph Ulrich in the AF course of Ferrari so really at their first attempt three of them have hit the top of the hurdle and taken a tumble up to third place Matt Griffin in the Spirit of Race 55 Ferrari. That becomes the best of the prancing horses then now with a 152.134. Set that on the lap just completed. Andrea Pacini, well, that was a slow one actually. The fastest that the the car's managed so far, but plenty of room for improvement because he's almost 10 seconds slower than the rest of the front runners. Just having a quick glance into the pit lane, Johnny, and it seems the Proton competition crews are waiting to flag their cars in, but we've got four minutes remaining in the session. Surely that's not wise. And think, unless they think they can come in, make a small adjustment that's required and still get out in time to go around to complete, to get onto a flying lap. But certainly car 77 is being called in. That's the Picariello car, still listed in second place, but I thought that time had been deleted. Anyhow, more of that later. Maybe he's done one very close to his bed. Maybe he has. So in fact, he is in second place. The 55 spirit of race Ferrari in the pits as well so they're really having to cut it fine super fine in this 10 minute session brand new stickered Goodyear tyres uh, the Goodyear Eagle branding on the sidewalls there that's a new tyre manufacturer to get used to in GTE don't forget and in this part of the entry for ELMS your tyres are unlimited they're heavily restricted in LMP3 and LMP2 but as many Goodyear Eagle tyres as you can throw at these cars that's why they're making this pause switching rubber to extra sticky stuff and send them out again but as you say with the time ticking by three minutes to go now an outlap and one more flyer is just about all they'll get 
Good pit stop practice though as well. It's <laughs> not quite as high pressure as it will be in the race, but it's useful. Yeah, and just bear in mind, it was two minutes, 59 seconds still on the clock when that uh, Proton Porsche accelerated out of the pit lane. That's the one driven by Richard Leitz, car number 93. They're still waiting for the sister car, 77. My maths suggests that will get in, but not out in time to do a flying lap. So Leitz may be able to bang in one and have a crack at pole position, but certainly Picariello won't. Picariello, however, is listed second on the timesheets at the moment, down by 36 thousandths of a second, but it's still Aston Martin and Ross Gunn at the top of the tower. Andrea Puccini all crossed up there, heading into the left-hander at turn 11. So went through the, the double right at Bose, now reaching Virage du Lac and Virage du Pont, turns 13 and 14 to end the lap, and Puccini's just a bit of a master, let's face it, behind the wheel of a Ferrari, but uh, the Goodyear tyres were squealing beneath his... 488 GT3, it will uh, head across the line now then, and to third position for the 60 car, Proton Competition's Porsche, Alessio Piccariello is now in the pits and for good, and likewise Ross Gunn arriving down pit road as well, says probably done enough with that, although he's only resting on a 36 thousandths of a second margin between he and the Belgian in second place. Super, super tight at the top. No, top, and also with Piccini still able to do one further lap. He's only just over a quarter of a second down in third place and a whisker ahead of Richard Leitz, but look for Leitz in 93. The second of the darker of the two Proton competition cars was the, it's the greener one of the, the pair. I still think he's got that type of that final sprint. His teammate Picariello's out of the car, listed second at the moment. Will he still be there come the end? The chequered flag is coming out in one minute and ten seconds. Does have time to wait one further flying lap. Leitz the Austrian will be absolutely on it but one slip over the uh, white lines at the outside of the circuit and the time will be taken away already I think four cars have lost their best time so far in this session so the Aston Martin stays out in the apron I think Ross Gunn's still at the wheel as well no doubt in radio contact with the team manager who is rushing all the details to him as further stories break from this session potentially Andrea Pacini looking the most threatening to snatch a front row start then away from either Ross or Alessio Picariello. Uh, Richard Leitz straight to the back of the garage. Sorry, still rather circulating. Getting my Porsches mixed up there. Picariello is already out of the session. Richard Leitz very much still involved in the all-green 93 car with the orange skirts. 23 seconds left on the clock. So he'll get this lap and that will be it. And Richard Leitz not showing an improvement so far to 32.6. Needed to slice a good two-tenths off that, really, to be in the mix. Ten seconds to go. He's 0.339 of a second down on pole position. But he's three-tenths down on his own teammate. Checkered flag is now out. It's now or never for Proton Competition if they want to go to the top of the charts. Will Ross Gunn in the pits hang on for now with no... Oh, a slight improvement in the second of the three se sectors for Richard Leeds. It's all on this final sector, Johnny. See soaring at the wheel is Richard Leeds in the Proton Competition entry number 93. That's the Michael Fassbender car. We'll see him in the race. And it'll be interesting to see which stint he gets. 55, Matt Griffin, the second place at the death of the session. So Bruce Jones said to keep an eye on the Irishman, and he's slotted between the Aston and the Porsche to potentially bag himself a front row start here for the start of the season. Andrea Pacini about to cross the line, though. Caddy to the top. 74, Kessel Racing Ferrari, faster than anybody else by 18, 16 thousandths of a second it's a smaller margin than I first thought and the only car still to cross the line and make an impression on the front two rows is Andrea Pacini 
now arriving at senior corner, the long, fast right-hander. And car 60, currently fifth, but he's showing improvement on this lap, Bruce. Certainly is banged in the fastest of any time in the first sector of anybody. He's, he's down in fifth, 0.116 second down on pole position. It's only 16 thousandths that Kadai is ahead of gun. Will they both be toppled at the very last car to take the chequered flag? Ninth of nine coming to the finish. Will it be at the top? Kessel Racing have pole at the position, but what can Iron Links do with Andrea Piccini waiting for it to come down through those final few corners into turn 13? And now the last corner, turn 14, a twitch on the way in. Oh, couldn't get it where he wanted to. Half a wheel still on the track on the exit of the final corner. Will he go top? Piccini is listed fifth at the moment, waiting for the finish line. Stays in fifth position. That little slip at the final corner, that yeah. really, really cost him. Did get the time down. That was the best lap of the session for Piccini, but there were four cars quicker, though, in that 10-minute session. And Nicky Kadai for Kessel Racing. Already the celebrations have started. David Perel leaping up in the air as is their teammate Mikhail Bronoszewski, who did his bit in qualifying earlier on for Michelin Le Mans Cup. And uh, the pole already has a race to do today. Two hours, well, an hour stint in a two-hour race uh, later on. But uh, quite a story that left it very, very late. Kessel racing with the first pole position of the year. What I'm going to throw at you, Johnny, is how close would you like it to be? The top six runners from Nicky Kadai down to Richard Leitz, 0.163 of a second. And the top two runners by 60 thousandths, the top three by just over 51 thousandths, back to Matt Griffin. And early in that session, it was effectively the Aston Martin, then the two Porsches, then the six Ferraris, but suddenly the Ferraris, they stayed out, whereas their rivals tended to come in and interrupt their session. And that really, really paid off. And Nicky Kadai, he had that very quick first lap, got taken away, regathered himself and absolutely nailed it at the end but again by just a yeah. scintilla nothing yeah. Kadai's time 151.72 Ross Gunn 151.74 Matt Griffin 151.78 and Alessio Picariello 151.78 there was a thousandth of a second between Griffin and Picariello's time and bearing in mind that's a Ferrari and a Porsche battle something tells me the balance of performance is just about bob on should have told you actually the top of the session that is the only time we will see these cars qualify minus any success ballast they're all at base weight success ballast uh, became uh, a thing in the regulations last year and that continues on it's based on the previous race result for your car the previous previous race result of your car as well so basically the last two races if there are two races and the championship positions and you get a, a system of weights applied three times based on those protocols you could have a car running as heavy as 45 kilos therefore but they are all at base weight this weekend Kessel Racing first pole of the season and well done to Nicola Kadai Aston Martin Racing second but only by 16 thousandths of a second that was Ross Gunn doing the driving in the number 98 car sadly we won't have that we think for the whole season Spirit of Race 55 make it Another Ferrari in the top three. Proton competition, the first of the Porsches on the grid with Alessio Picariello doing the time, number 77. Then it was Andrea Piccini for Iron Lynx. Richard Leitz for Proton. Michel Gatting also for Iron Lynx. The JMW Motorsport car of Jody Fannin finished eighth. And Christoph Ulrich for AF Corsa, car 51, was in ninth position. It was a fraught, hard-fought session. And Matt Griffin... Left it pretty late to, first of all, post a time good enough for second. But then that car finishing third after the hard work 
from the Italian driver we will credit in a second. Ross guns Aston Martin on the ragged edge throughout the session as well. That's a car we are familiar with from the World Endurance Championship, of course, and Paul Dallalana and Matthias Lauder will be driving that in the race tomorrow, an 11 a.m. local time start. The 74 car, though, of Nicky Kadai really storming to the finish of that session. Left it uh, very, very late indeed, but plucked the time out. 16 thousandths of a second it was quicker than everybody else as the car is wheeled into the garage to brand new team Iron Lynx we can head to the pit lane and hear from Hayley Edmonds who's managed to of course at a suitably social distance managed to catch up with Nicky Caddy well that was an intense qualifying it all came down obviously to the last lap and Nicola managed to snatch it, so now you're going to be starting the race in pole position. Yeah, incredible job by uh, Nicky. Um, he, he actually got a track limit on the first round, which you know, put us under huge pressure. But to pull out a lap, it was so close at the end. And yesterday we were struggling a bit. It's so impressive from Nicky. Um, we are all incredibly happy. And you're feeling confident for the race? Yeah, I think we have a really good driver lineup. Our combination means that we have a lot more flexibility in the strategy. So let's see if we can maximize that. Great. Thank you very much. And uh, the eagle-eared amongst you will know that that was the Cape, Cape Town's finest, David Perel, in fact, Nicky Kadai's teammate, because I thought Nicky got out of his race suit very, very quickly indeed. He'll still be with the car for post-session scrutineering. But David Perel makes an interesting point there. Two silvers and a bronze does somewhat open the, the opportunity a little for, for strategy and rearranging things a touch. Who will they start with? And how will they then deploy the silver-rated drivers? We can delve more deeply into that during the race tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, they may well approach it with a different rhythm compared to those with the more familiar lineup of a fully pro, a silver up-and-coming driver, and the bronze, the gentleman driver. Anyway, no time to reflect on that because 10 minutes appears at the top of our timing screen once again, and it'll be LMP3 Three minutes next. to start LMP3 qualifying session. Please advise drivers to respect track limits during the session. Any lap which is seen by us or reported by the marshals as being done abusing track limits will be deleted from the session. Again, firm instruction from Eduardo Freitas, the race director, for the whole of the weekend. And choose your point in the queue, but ideally towards the sharp end because the last thing you want is to be circulating to try and get tyre temperature and brake temperature up with 11 cars in front of you. Talking of the number 11, just had sight of the number 11. Uh, that was the Euro International entry. Leonard Hugenboom had been lined up to drive that this weekend, but Tommy Erdos only called on Saturday and he's sharing with Nico Kari just the two of them. They think it gives them greater flexibility and, and for Tommy it was a real surprise, but great to have the ever-popular Brazilian back to play almost feels British has been living in the UK for so long and uh, he will have to use this as his fitness training for the season ahead but uh, again I just love the fact that teams have scrabbled to get ready for this season and uh, the car in all black carbon fibre livery but you look up and down the pit lane the rest of the teams have done a, a really really great job getting traditional liveries and new ones for this season 12 of the cars going out in this P3 class and as Johnny pointed out shared between the Ligier 
the new ones, the JSP320s and the Duquesne M30s. Those who've watched in previous years will have known the M3 as be- M30 as being a Norma. Now the rights have been Duquesne, but it's pretty evenly split across the 12-car P3 field, and this is going to be fast and furious. But again, just to reiterate, 10 minutes only, and you can almost guarantee at least half a dozen of these cars will have drivers who go that little bit too wide and lose one of their laps. Hopefully they've still got time to improve, but it's all about not making a slip-up. I thoroughly enjoy these LMP3 sessions. Uh, it's a job to keep up with them, and very often, 12-car entry, we could easily see eight different names at one the top minute, of the charts at any one, one point. One minute to start LMP3 qualifying session. Under one minute to start LMP3 qualifying session. Another reminder to all about track limits and that any laps reported to be beyond those will be deleted immediately and we're getting the radio messages from Eduardo Freitas to inform us further on those as well but 40 seconds away from the start of the session and again a decision to be made as to which drive you put in no real chance to switch 30 seconds under 30 seconds to start qualifying for LMP3 cars so once the the particular pilot is picked then you got to stick with that really rather than roll again no restriction though doesn't have to be a bronze we've got uh, all bronze or silvers in the combinations Ten, nine eight seven six five four three two one lmp3 qualifying session has started the red the white the blue of graph represented two separate cars on this year's grid the five and the nine cars and it will be Eric Trillier to do qualifying along with Vincent Capillaire his teammate Garrett Grist is put into the number 10 Nielsen Racing entry Euro International with their Ligier will be Tommy Erdos the Brazilian who was speaking about a moment or two ago Andrea Fontana for BHK Motorsport the British flagged crew although a lot of Italian mechanics within there Laurence Hoer representing DKR Engineering as he was for the Michelin Le Mans Cup earlier on today car number four for him Duncan Tappy put into the number three entry from United Autosports that's an interesting little signing over the winter that, because Duncan Tappy you may remember race with Mikey Benham regularly in the Michelin Le Mans Cup last year stepping up then to the ELMS Duncan Tappy former McLaren works driver and a real hot shoe in his day in single seaters as well lost none of his pace in the latter years and who else do we need to update you with the 15 car from RLR M Sport will be Malta Jakobsen of Denmark and there's already a car stopped car on the circuit on that's track. Colin car Noble stopped on track. the Scotsman has ground to a halt almost akin to uh, Jean Gloria in we the earlier session exit of T2. we have a car at the exit of T2 now, didn't see that car come to a halt. Whether there was any smoke coming out of the back, difficult to tell. And Colin Noble's probably trying to do some electronic reset, which now appears to be completed, and is moving again, Bruce. Yeah, he got down, out, we heard, exit of turn two. He got down to turn three when he pulled off. Got it going all over again. I was about to say, who do you fancy for this session? Because I spotted as the cars were just about to have their doors closed, that Colin Noble... Yeah was on board they had a session earlier today where they didn't get to run so they're on the back foot but you put your silver driver in not your bronze Colin Noble rather than Tony Wells may still have a chance to recover this but that would be heart in the mouth for the Nielsen Racing crew you know right at the start just to reiterate it's only 10 minutes and to have whatever went wrong fortunately it now appears to be right but uh, a big big scare for Nielsen Racing there 
Colin Hayling from Edinburgh, 23 years, <coughs> 23 years old, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, the teammate is Tony Wells, as uh, Bruce says. I can't gather my breath. <laughs> choking. Uh, Vincent Capillaire, along with, in the number nine car, uh, Arnold and Maxime Robin. So a bronze and a silver, respectively. And Capillaire, well-known at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. With teams like So24, as you remember, going back far enough. And Capillaire regularly has been in, in a two-driver lineup, but now joined by the uh, Robin family. So that's going to be an interesting crew to watch. Eric Trier joined by two new names to the ELMS, Sebastian Page, Swiss, and Louis Saint-Jouin of Spain. But it's Trier, the Frenchman, in for qualifying duties. Not very far away from halfway through this session now, and quick time's about to come in. Uh, outlaps for the main part are done we're now onto the timed ones I think it's good that we're looking at Lawrence Hoare in the DKR engineering uh, Duquesne that was fastest in the most recent practice session 1 minute 48.239 seconds was the time uh, they racked up this morning only a tenth of a second quicker than the 11 Euro international entry of Tommy Erdos and Nico Kari so super super tight but again ahead of the train in this qualifying session and may be able to sweep one further lap than some of the rivals he keeps going first time on the board 1 minute 50.6 for uh, BHK then suddenly Graf we saw then with Vincent Capillaire 1 minute 50.1 but here comes the car we're looking at Lawrence Hoare DKR Engineering will he go to the top of the charts will he get down below 1 minute yeah, 1 minute 50, he's below 1 minute 49, 1 minute 48.994, thought he, he looked quick, he goes top by 3 tenths of a second from Tommy Erdos, so the quick two this morning are the quick two all over again once we got to qualifying. Vincent Capillaire completes his lap, he's about a second off that time though, Duncan Tappy slotting in between her and now Nico Kari, so what's happened to Tommy Erdos, did he have a lap deleted or there's been a change of driver perhaps? No, they, they've uh, just worked out which driver's on yeah, board. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> That I know they're quick. <laughs> Indeed, uh, that was a very quick pit stop. Uh, the number 11 car then, Euro International, not in fact started by Brazilian um, Tommy Erdos, but instead his Finnish teammate Nico Kari, who is the silver-rated driver, and Kari, briefly second, now down to fifth, because streaming across the line, Malta Jakobsen, second, Duncan Tappy uh, third, now fourth, because Nigel Moore's gone across the line. Now Nigel, the last to join the session, could be the fastest. I told you this might take some keeping up with Bruce Jones. Duquesne, fastest, Laurence Hur, then Nigel Moore, Jakobsen for RLR, Duncan Tappy second so so briefly and back down to fourth now David Drew for Real Team Racing is fifth and Nico Kari uh, thought he bagged himself a front row start he's now seventh still waiting for it oh it's just come in I was waiting for the last of the 12 cars to put a representative lap in and United All Sports go second Wayne Boyd the Northern Irish driver five hundredths of a second down on Lawrence Hoare but Hoare is doing a really really quick second flyer at the moment he's banged in the fastest first sector time he's banged in the fastest second sector time he'll be going down one would think towards the mid 1 minute 48 best time for that car this morning 1 minute 48.2 but the number 4 from DKR Engineering there Duquesne is fastest at the moment by only a small sliver of time he is going to improve his lap time surely 1 minute 48 399 very close to this morning's best 
Yeah, uh, and so much quicker than the other Duquesnes in the field. 1.7 seconds than the second best car from that manufacturer, Garrett Grist, down in 10th position. There was also improvement on the previous lap for Wayne Boyd, but Duncan Tappy goes back across the line for the third time, and he now is on the front row with Laurence Hur. Make that David Drew for Real Team Racing in the number eight car. So Laurence Hur, three tenths of a second out front, but everybody else scrapping over second position. Seven to eight tenths of a second cover the top seven positions. Uh, and now suddenly Malta Jakobsen, another wonderful fly out, 58 thousandths of a second down on Lawrence Hall. So it's Duquesne from a whole host of Ligiers. And uh, the bottom three positions in this 12-car batch of P3 runners, all Duquesne. So it's looking very good for Ligier, but they haven't got the top spot. That's what they crave. Just half a tenth between Hoare and Jakobsen, so that could change yet in the remaining three minutes. David Drew running third in this 10-minute qualifying session. Duncan Tappy has toyed with a front row, but he's back to fourth now. Nigel Moore due across the line, as he's just been across the line, and Nigel Moore did improve. Wayne Boyd again climbing up to second place and ahead of Malta Jakobsen. So the Ulsterman... Again showing great speed. He's just heading to the, into the left and right. Turns one and two. The S-Bend to kick off this Paul Roy car circuit. And now down to the tight and technical section at three, four and five. 54 thousandths of a second is the deficit from Hoare to Boyd. And then another four thousandths back to Malta Jakobsen. Full three tenths down. Miles away. David Drew in fourth place. But what is changing? It's the people at the bottom end of the order. But it's all bad news for all of them because DKR Engineering, Lawrence Hall... Just gone faster than anybody else in the first sector and the second. Slightly lost it in the final sector. Still stay top, but that was their chance to eke out. And we are dealing in tenths of a second here. Malta Jakobsen all over the curbs towards the end of the lap. He's now working his way through the long, lingering right-hander at Garlebar. And into Virage du Lac, the penultimate corner on this Le Castellet circuit. So Malta Jakobsen spying a bit of improvement. He's already done a 148.457 and only 58,000 of a second to try and find... So Jakobsen does not improve in the end. First sector was good. Middle and uh, third sectors, not so much. Car stopped there, I noticed, which is the all-carbon machine. 16, I think. I think. Well, the all-carbon one is uh, Nico Kari. Down at turn one, it's listed. But I think the car on my non-moving map is uh, number 16, which is at the side of the circuit. So Andrea Fontana for BHK Motorsports. So, yes, the car currently in 11th position and, and needing recovery quite possibly. So it is a carbon in co colour, but uh, with the red airbox and yellow flags now preventing anybody from going any faster. You need to at least show some sign of backing off into an area affected by marshals who are wheeling that car into a safer location. Meanwhile, Philippe Albuquerque prepares himself for the LMP2 session which is to come in a moment. Change at the top, United All Sports should be pleased. Wayne Boyd has gone top by 84 thousandths of a second. The clock is ticking down into the final minute of this 10-minute qualifying session. Who is making a move? David Drew for Real Team Racing is picking up his pace. He's fourth. It's very close. Second, third and fourth covered by a tenth of a second. At the moment, the second place is still with the number four car of DKR Engineering for so long. Well, long in a 10-minute session. Had been top of the time charts. Will that one improve this time round? Not looking lightly for Lawrence Hall. No, another good lap, but no improvement there. So the gap swings the other way. 84 thousandths of a second with Wayne Boyd now topping the charts. And has he snatched it with perfect timing? Ligier now leading Duquesne in these brand new cars Malta Jakobsen could still have something up his sleeve but he 
won't be able to do it on this lap, and I think he's going to run out of time, isn't he? Just heading through Orge Virage Dupont now, and the checkered flag is out. So far from squeezing another lap out of the session, he's going to have to end it there, and it'll be third as a best starting position for RLRM Sport. In fact, Malta deciding to pit David Drew to good sectors at the start of his fifth lap, but he couldn't extend that to a third sector and does not improve, still staying at a 148.4 and fourth place. Duncan Tappy, a 148.8, good enough for fifth, but probably no better. I think you really have to take your hat off to Malta Jakobsen. First season in P3 in prototypes, a couple of seasons of Formula 4, uh, and uh, there he is in third fastest and he's only 16 years old I yeah. forgot to mention that bit till last now, mightily impressive and uh, following in a long line of uh, expert Danish drivers so welcome to the series what about Wayne Boyd's manoeuvres at the end of the lap then heading through turn 14 dropping a couple of wheels over the kerb he will have felt that and as a result there was no improvement there may not need to be though because he's still at the top fastest by 0.084 of a second. Here comes uh, Lawrence Hur, but he's got traffic at the final corner, and that will curtail any improvement. To be honest, he hadn't really lit up the lit up the timing screens on that particular lap. Early phase of the session was very very good, but the the pace just trailed off a little bit. All these cars run on the same Michelin rubber, and it gave its best in the opening for a few um, laps. And although very durable come the race the ultimate performance for a qualifying session maybe disappears after about lap three David Drew for Real Team Racing the last car to head across the line Drew had improved through the first sector actually so can he make any inroads towards the top three positions still waiting for David Drew to cross the line and he in fact picks so there will be no improvement from the Swiss team Real Team United Autosports Duncan Tappy has to make do with a third row start alongside new boy Nico Carey of Euro International Nigel Moore uh, again showing speed in the early part of the session in the Inter-Europol competition Ligier, 7th place though for the Yorkshireman alongside Garrett Grist who is from Canada and the Nielsen Racing car number 10 that he drives setting a 149.61 we will give you the, all the runners and riders and where they finished in just a second but what about Wayne Boyd? Always had speed ever since his Formula Ford days in the UK. Had uh, a fair time out of motorsport, but then came back four or five years ago with United Autosports and uh, just so, so solid. And you get the feeling, start of a new year, he's keen to get the results very early on. Yeah, exactly. So this actually will be his fifth season with United Autosports. But yes, he was one of those great wasted talents, really strong in single seaters, and then unfortunately didn't have the pounds. Mm shillings and pence to, to keep it going so United Sports picked him up and he's really proving a very strong backbone for them in the P3 class European Le Mans series but very very tight at the end 84 thousandths of a second you could see that in fact Wayne Boyd and Lawrence Hall did about three laps very close their best but really on your third flying lap at full speed the tyres just aren't as sweet as they were no. the previous time round and then of course a little bit of traffic that rather helped uh, Wayne Boyd because Lawrence Hall got blocked on his final lap but I think his splits still weren't quite good enough Wayne Boyd 148.315 and 0.084 of a second quicker than Lawrence Hall in the DKR engineering machine RLR finished third with Malta Jakobsen's time David Drew fourth for real team and it's a United Autosports Euro International third row 
thanks to times from Duncan Tappy and Nico Carey. Into Europol competition and Nigel Moore set seventh fastest time alongside Garrett Grist in the Nielsen car. Graf, uh, another other Nielsen, BH. K Motorsport, Andrea Fontana. That was the car that stopped partway around the session and really prevented everybody else from going faster ahead of the number five car of Eric Truier. But Malta Jakobsen in the number 15 RLR car that he shares with Ryan Harper and James Dayson. Certainly going very strongly indeed across that 10-minute session and maybe a little bit more pace to give come the race. The four car from DKR Engineering in that familiar orange and black livery driven by Laurence Hoare. Uh, this is a different chassis, but uh, same team and same driver. Hoor being held back for racing a bit later on today in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. But how about Wayne Boyd just heading into the final corner there and very ragged indeed on the exit. Needless to say, that wasn't his fastest lap of the session, but it was the most spectacular. He had managed to set already a 148.3. Let's head down to United Autosports then with Hayley Edmonds for reaction from the Yorkshire squad. So, Tom, what a fight you put up right until the last 30 seconds. Uh, you've got pole position for the race later uh, tomorrow, sorry. So how are you feeling for it? And how did you find um, Wayne's performance? Yeah, Wayne did a fantastic job. I mean, we've shown, like, really good pace in, in all of testing. And then, uh, yeah, we just needed to deliver in qualifying, and he did a superb job. So it's, uh, it's made my job a lot easier for tomorrow now. So, uh, yeah, really happy with that. A great job by all the team, giving us an amazing car so far this weekend. So, yeah, great job by everyone. Fantastic. Thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. Tom Gamble, another young British driver, just 18 years old, has been a Ginetta Junior champion a handful of years ago and excited to see how he gets on in his first season of the European Le Mans series. He's been a great team, no doubt about it, and a very special teammate as well. So as uh, Tom makes the point, Wayne making his job easier. That suggests it'll be Gamble to start the car and from the sharp end of LMP3, but right at the back of this little lot 15 LMP2s now being wheeled out on the dolly jacks to their positions up and down the pit lane and some very cool paint schemes here as well <laughs> some to get used to some that we'll be very familiar with and some are kind of a, a further iteration perhaps a revision of those that we've seen in the past 35 BHK Motorsports flagged from the UK and Francesco Draconi name against the car right now can't really rely on those names though just yet so we will hang fire until they cross the beam at the end of the pit lane and that will uh, confirm who we've got the 15 different drivers for this once again 10 minute session this is going to be pretty busy on a 5.7 kilometer circuit with 15 cars fighting for space at least it must be said, Johnny, that with the BHK Motorsport car, it's a choice of two drivers, so it's a 50-50 opportunity. That's one of one, two, three, four cars out of 15 in the P2 class that have just the two drivers. Another one is uh, Philip Hansen and Phil B- Philip Albuquerque, who love just to be pa- a pair rather than a trio for United Autosports, and uh, it could well come good for them this year. But uh, some great liveries, and this year Edex Sport have moved away sort of from red, white, and blue by and large as their li- racing livery to go to that full, almost orangey red that they, they we saw earlier today in the Michelin Le Mans Cup on the Edex Sport Mercedes AMG. Very, very different machinery uh, here in the top class. Paul Lafargue at the wheel of that, ready to go. We think it was a fairly shortish-looking driver, which seems to fit with the stature of the uh, team-owning family, uh, Paul Lafargue, but he's uh, in a really, really strong lineup because he's sharing with uh, Paul Lusata and Richard Bradley. Yeah. Well, the one guy they don't have from last year when they won the title, let us not forget, Memo Rojas is now a double ELMS uh, champion. 
Well, Paul Ushata and Paul Lafargue retained. Obviously, they retained Paul because it's the family team. But Paul Ushata with a lot of his uh, Le Mans, um, his previous Formula Le Mans uh, success, what, five, six years ago, and really showed signs then of his promise for the future. And so it's proved because he's now an ELMS champion. They won that by four points, you may remember, from Roman Rusinov and... Uh, Speaking of the devil, Roman Rusinov on the pit wall and Jot van Outert, who is back again to um, make waves in this championship. So many huge names up and down the pit lane, some synonymous with the ELMS and some are brand new to it, uh, but bring form. And yeah, Jot van Outert to United Autosports is an interesting move across the winter period to join in the 32 car, Alex Brundle and Will Owen. So pit lane will open at 20 past two. That's about a minute and 15 seconds away. The dramatic landscape that this Le Castellet circuit is based in just cut into the landscape, really. And it's a fantastic road to get up here as well. So picturesque up onto the plateau. And then the circuit comes into sight. Principally, in the past, a high-tech test track. That's sort of the reason for the high-friction tarmac just off the road and the blue and red stripes but it's now back on the Formula 1 calendar as well for the first time last year, returning to F1. And sadly, this meeting being held behind closed doors, we do often get a big crowd able to watch particularly the main start-finish straight from those grandstands, but for obvious reasons, the crowd have uh, had to be shut out, at least for the time being. That's the way ELMS will run for the rest of this season. And then the situation with coronavirus will be reviewed through the winter. Phil Hansen, Philippe Albuquerque, already mentioned these guys. Uh, former winners in the ELMS races. They had a great end to season 2018, taking a win at Spa and Portimao. And Phil Hansen, an Asian Le Mans series champion too. What can he do this year in the ELMS? Green flag waves. It's another 10 minutes on the clock. And everyone has to have their lines neat and tidy because laps could be deleted if uh, track limits are abused anymore. Actually, the LMP3s were fairly well behaved. Let's see how the big prototypes get on. Well, there are three more of them, 15 in all. And if you're trying to get your eye on, on the liveries, uh, one of the best-looking teams to my eye is Algarve Pro Racing. Not with one, but two Oricas. One is black with white and the other is white with black. It's a 24 that's black with white which is uh, John Lancaster, Loic Duval, who's on board for this qualifying session, and Henning Enkvist, the sister car, which is white with black features, John Falb, Simon Trummer, and Gabriel Aubrey. Very, very tidy-looking team. Tidy doesn't mean quick, though. We'll see who can put the fastest time on the board. The best time in practice this morning, 1 minute 38.9 seconds by the 32 United Autosports car, and I think it, I spied... Alex, Br Alex Brundle taking that one out for qualifying, waiting for that beat to be confirmed. Yes, it has. It's up on the screens now as the British racer. So, as I said, the fastest time in practice, a 1 minute 38.9 second lap. Will we improve on that? We will probably, buy, but only by a small amount. Will it be as tight as P3, where at the end we were dealing in thousandths of a session, second? But looking at the track right now, all fine. The grey clouds still in the sky, but it's dry. That's what counts. Yeah, and I was going to say cooler. I don't think it is, sadly. The cloud cover possibly just retaining the heat more than anything. Your mention of John Lancaster reminds me we've got yet another former champion then from the ELMS back in. So he was a 2015 LMP2 champion with Greaves Motorsport. Great to have the man originally from Leeds uh, back in, 31 years old and a gold-rated driver. 
as through the final sequence of corners then trying to get heat into the tyres as early as possible Paulie Chatin in the 28 car from Edex Sports still have three cars in the pits look at the top of the screen we have 20% of the session already passed so it's really really upping the ante for them it's also about getting a clean sector of track and a majority of drivers are a suitable distance from each other car 32 on the screen this is uh, the one driven by Alex Brundle he's got nobody immediately around him so that's very good news indeed as he tries to pick up the pace put a flying lap on the board this is the flying lap for the vast majority of this 15 car P2 grouping in the LMS and uh, this for a lot of the drivers will be their fastest or second fastest lap so Alex catapults the United Autosports car out of the kink at 7 carrying great speed onto the Mistral and just a little bit of porpoising going on there that's fine that's I mean just literally the air running across the car making it look unstable but it is sucked to the ground and the underframe of this car as well the underfloor underneath channeling the air as well to create extra suction so this is going to be a good time, you can tell that visually for Alex Brundle in the 32. And then behind him, got the 22, the sister car from United Autosports. Also in that queue, High Class Racing's uh, Orica 07 with Anders Fjord back at the wheel. Now through Virage du Lac, Virage Dupont, Dupont to come next, the right-hander. Those down at Algarve Pro Racing eagle-eyed on the screens but what's Alex Brundle going to throw into the mixture it is fastest it's a 138.7 but time deleted for abusing track limits straight away turn six so his first flyer I said it's it's this lap or the next one that's really going to count but it has to be the next one because this one has been thrown away Philip Albuquerque his teammate for United Autosport goes tops one minute 38.923 seconds that is the mark almost identical with fastest time this morning done by the other car two thousandths of a second different doesn't matter he's leading by 1.2 seconds ahead of Inter Europol competition Matevov Izakian really quite a late signing for that car this yeah. year but did a good job there but the rest well only three cars have, have uh, four cars have set uh, flying laps so far the slowest of those is 11 seconds off the pace that's Tatiana Calderon of course she's with the Richard Mill racing team that had the setback huge setback when Catherine Legg broke her leg uh, things going wrong going out of scene hit the barriers and that car is shared this weekend by Andre Negrau a driver who needs very little introduction in P2 racing he has stepped in but uh, again setbacks do occur but actually in this we need some people to step up to the mark Will Stevens has just gone second but he's still half a second down that's really impressive from Albuquerque yeah sadly that bad news story about Catherine Legg breaking in midweek with a, a, an, another test session was related to the prologue and a horrible moment at the end of the Mistral straight into Senior Corner, just after that. It's so, so fast there, and the car sadly making significant contact with the barrier. She has had surgery, and now the recovery process, but I know Catherine was eagerly uh, looking forward to her first season back in Europe for a long, long time, having established herself in the USA, living out there. But uh, we wish you well, Catherine. Hope you're back in the ELMS paddock very, very soon, but it could be easily three races or so before he returns that's the question all racing drivers ask how soon can I be back in the cockpit and someone told me this morning it, it may be as little as six weeks drivers seem to recover faster than normal human beings it's amazing isn't it uh, yeah and uh, I know that she's keen to, to start the recovery process well today really 
when I would be just still reliving the, all, all the moments at the end of the Mistral. You don't often have a small crash there, but the car stood up outstandingly well, and as did the Arnco barrier as well, did its job in keeping the car within the circuit. Down towards this part of the track we talked so much about is the 25, the Algarve Pro Racing car of Gabriel Aubry. Unusual paint scheme for this particular car. I might be more used to the sky blue of Algarve Pro Racing. They'll have a home race at the end of the season at Portimao. But I quite like this new paint scheme. It'll be easy to pick out. And the white and the black for young Frenchman Aubry. As he catches a bit too much kerb there through Garlebat. What we've got was wait for the end of that lap, but I just want to point, it's just 37 thousandths per second between Albuquerque on top and now Paul Chatin for Edex Sport. Car 25, looking at that with Gabriel Aubry down in seventh place, sure to improve this time around. How high will he go? Up to sixth, not good enough to get to the very front of the field. Still behind the teammate, the sister car, which is in fifth place for Loic Duval, but it's Philippe Albuquerque for United Autosport. Top of the charts, three minutes 20 remain. Hashtag be united against coronavirus. Phil Hansen's face behind that particular mask. Not part of qualifying. Already mentioned that his, it's his teammate, Philippe Albuquerque, doing the driving. And it's his teammate, Philippe Albuquerque, who is quickest in the session. However, that name instantly replaced by Nick de Vries now of G-Drive Racing. The red with the black nose arriving at turn one. And he's gone four-tenths of a second faster. It's a 138.5 from the Rapid Dutchman. What a tidy lap. Again, it was trying not to be too greedy, particularly at Garuban. Turn 12 out of 40. We see many drivers just going, pushing in too hard, then having to come off because otherwise they will be all four wheels over the white line in that uh, tricky, tricky left-hand corner. But there we are at the very point at w- that I'm talking about. The replay showing him going right to the edge, but not beyond. That's the important thing, just keeping enough in hand to then go out to the left and then cut to the right for turn 13. Yeah, speaking of going out on the edge and even a little bit beyond it was Thomas Laurent for Graf. Now Thomas, late to the session, he's had times deleted I think as well and actually yet to register a time as is Alex Brundle. We were singing Alex's praises at the start of the session how quick his car looked actually yet to register a lap time though. Yeah, Thomas Laurent has yet to put a lap time on the board. He's already been pinged on his outlap for abusing track limits, so <laughs> that is not so good at all. But the clock keeps counting down below two minutes in this session. It's the Aura's top with Nick de Vries. That's car number 26 for G-Drive Racing. Edex Sport, Paul Luchatin, three-tenths of a second down. Who's making the moves? And at the moment, you know what? It's de Vries again. He just put in the fastest opening sector of his session, so he could yet be stretching that advantage. Yes, the Aorus 01, labelled an Aorus, as in the Russian limousine manufacturer. It is actually an Orica 07, but probably carries two chassis plates. And a little bit of uh, brand engineering there. Applause has already started. That's because Nick de Vries has gone even quicker. Roman Rusinov, his teammate, no doubt, quickly quick to applaud that, because four-tenths of a second is still the margin. Paul-Luc Chatan's trying to go quicker. Unfortunately, the guy ahead of him on the screen is even faster than that, though. Right, a minute remaining on the clock. Two laps now for Thomas Laurent, and they've both been deleted for exceeding track limits. He's got to get it right this time. He's 15th for Graf Racing out of the 15 cars in the P2 class. It's Nick de Vries on top for G-Drive Racing. 38.382 of a second to the good over Paul Chatin. It looks like the attack's going to come from United Autosports. Car number 22, Philippe Albuquerque, fastest in the first sector. His best time in sector two. Target time, 1 minute 50, 38.505. Will that be breached? Oh, no, seven, ten, seven hundredths of a second slower in second place. Still time for one more, though, Johnny. There is, and it might be necessary. So, 
one or two looks down into the hands there. Do G Drive feel they've done enough? Thomas Laurent uh, still circulating, but out of the Edex Sport car is Paul Luc Chatter. High fives down there. It's going to be fourth and no better. Was was third until uh, Alex Brundle. Remember, he was right at the bottom of the timesheets. He's made United Autosport second and third. Richard Bradley says congratulations to Paulo Chatin. The clock has come to zero. Ten minutes are completed, but a lot of laps still to be pulled down. To get on pole, you really need to be below 1 minute 38.5. Nick de Vries still holding sway, but by very little, just seven hundredths of a second. Brundle out of turn seven onto the Mistral straight for the final time. The checkered flag is being displayed, but if you haven't yet seen it, this lap will count, and Alex Brundle can be uh, within that bracket. He arrives now at senior corner, not even a hit really of a limp there. Allow the aerodynamics of these beautifully designed LMP2 cars to take control, clipping the curve perfectly there through the double droite de Beausset. And now Garlaban corner with Virage du Lac, Virage du Pont to come. The two, uh, one left-hander, one right-hander to finish the lap. As cars behind him include the 39 of Thomas Laurent, who is now up to 11th place. It could be even better than that now. Philippe Albuquerque, though, neat and tidy lines towards the end of his final lap. Can Albuquerque snatch pole position? He's gone to the top. 0.237 of a difference then to go quicker than Nick de Vries. That's the first movement. But what about Alex Brundle? And what about Thomas Laurent? Brundle stays third. Thomas Laurent will be the last car across the line. He's just exiting turn 14 now. Philippe Albuquerque with pole position right now. I don't think Thomas Laurent has done quite enough. Will he even be on the front row? No. It's going to be an 11th place start then for the Toyota LMP1 test driver. But how late do you want to leave it? Philippe Albuquerque, he'll say it was all in control. Of course it was. But the Portuguese from Quimbra in the north of the country taking the first pole position of the season. Well, that was just completely phenomenal. With a few seconds to go in this 10-minute session, the top 10 cars were covered by almost precisely a second. Then in came that amazing lap from Philippe Albuquerque, and suddenly it's only the top six covered by the first second. It just showed he moved that target really, really close. Nick de Vries thought he had the job done, couldn't defend it. He, was, he, was, uh, he completed his run. So just trying to check if anybody else is going to have any lap times removed. Thomas Laurent will be kicking himself because that wasn't a handy session. 11th out of the 15 cars. But for United Autosports, first and third and G-Drive Racing right in the middle of it. That was super tight. That was wonderful. Really good to watch. I'm looking forward to reliving that a little bit later on as well when I've caught my breath. Nick de Vries must have thought he bagged it. I know Roman Rusinov was banking on the fact that the young Dutchman had done enough. He's a Formula 2 champion from last year, of course, FIA Formula 2 champion in 2019, and that's the level of stardom we've got across all motorsport disciplines assembling this weekend at Paul Ricard for the first round of the ELMS. But De Vries just misses out in a United Autosports sandwich. Alex Brundle in third position, but Philippe Albuquerque, six-tenths of a second, quicker than that. Let's hear from Philippe's teammate, Phil Hansen. Now chatting to Hayley Edmonds. Can you hear me? So that was super tight. Great performance from your co-team, uh, team driver there, Philip Albuquerque. You guys will be starting in pole position for, the, for tomorrow. Yeah, it was close. That's Felipe now. Um, 
we took two sets of tyres then, but it was the last lap, and he just got round in time to get that last lap. So, you know, the tension was high on that last lap when you can see the, the delta in the, in the times. Um, yeah, and it was it looked like he made it all up as well, we're nailing the last sector, so it was pretty impressive. Very chuffed indeed with that. And Phil Hansen now steps aside to high-five with Richard Dean, who is the co owner of United Autosports, the Anglo-American squad. And a couple of years ago, they decided to change their flag from the USA to Great Britain. So it'll be the national anthem of the UK, if indeed they can get to the top of the charts tomorrow as well. But that is a big step on, bearing in mind we've got four hours of racing to get through from 11am tomorrow through till three o'clock. Phil Hansen has to do a lot of the heavy lifting as well. That's the downside if you like but he takes it as a bonus of only being a two driver lineup it's deliberately done like that to give phil as much drive time as possible 22 united autosports then bagging the first pole position of the season here at paul ricard so 138.268 and that is very nearly a quarter of a second faster than the g drive racing auris 01 driven by nick de Vries. the other united autosports uh, orica finishing third all these cars on michelin tires ahead of paul chatin uh, Ben Hanley for Dragon Speed and Nicolas Lapierre for Cool Racing. We didn't have a great deal of time to talk about these guys. First did the Goodyear shod cars, Will Stevens for Panis Racing, then the two Algarve Pro Racing machines of Loic Duval and Gabby Aubry. And to complete the top ten, it was Tristan Gomendy for Duquesne Team, a slightly renamed outfit because Duquesne have now become a manufacturer in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Lots of stories to get to the bottom of tonight ahead of such a busy qualifying session that's the beauty of three 10 minute sessions but be sure to join us for the build up tomorrow ahead of an 11am start for round one of the elms from bruce jones hayley edmonds johnny palmer bye-bye this program is a radio show limited production tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com